Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Paul Neiman speaking to us on how important God's Word is and the authority it holds. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Hey, my name is Paul. I work at the church. I'm over at the Central Campus. How many of y'all go to the Central Campus? Anybody? There we go. And man, I've been at the church for almost 12 years now. I was talking to somebody recently. I'm like, man, it's been 12 years. It's been so long. I've been a part of this ministry since 2008, and I've seen the whole kit and caboodle for C12. I'll tell you what, I've seen some things. And one of the things that I love about C12, probably the one thing, is how you worship. And I get to see it in a lot of different environments. Like when I go to different campuses, I see you worship. When I come here on Thursday nights, I see you worship. And listen, you need to know something. Like your worship changes the room. It changes the room. Whatever room you're in and you decide that you want to show up and worship, like you're going to step into worship, it changes the room. So I don't know what campus you go to, whether it's Central, whether it's here at Sugarloaf or where it's Hamilton Mill. You need to know when you show up to the campus and you start worshiping, there are people that are watching you and they're deciding how they're going to worship based on how you worship. That's what happens in the rooms that you're in. So you need to know, like, I wonder if I have, like, uh, like uh, you know, like, I wonder if people are looking at me and, and making decisions based on what I do. Like, I wonder if I have that kind of clout where I go. Your worship changes how other people worship. It just does. But listen to me. Only if it's authentic. Don't be worshiping to just try to make people think that you love Jesus. Your worship needs to be authentic. And I believe it is. That's why when I go to Central and I see people worshiping, literally the room changes when you show up. Sugarloaf, the room changes when you show up. Don't hold that authority lightly. I didn't have that in my notes. I'm just saying, don't hold that authority lightly, all right? I love you guys. We talk about you a lot. We pray for you a lot. You are at the forefront of our future. And, um, man, the decisions that we make, like, they are with you in mind. So just so you know, like, we talk about you a lot. Um, but I, I serve at the Central Campus. Um, I have a wife. Uh, I know. Someone married me. It's crazy. Uh, she, uh, she's super hot. Uh, that's her on the right-hand side, on the left-hand side. Uh, we've been together 15 years, me and Courtney. That's her name, Courtney. I forgot to mention that. Uh, and that's my little daughter, Sayla. She's about 20 months. No one awed at Sayla. Is she ugly? Just tell me. Is she? Just tell me. No, it's okay. Like, I know some people have ugly babies. I get it. Um, but I feel like she's pretty cute. I don't know if that's just a dad thing. Can someone just tell me? Like, she's cute. Okay. Megan Pritchard thinks she's cute, and that's all that matters. Uh, so, yeah, we've been together 15 years. That's Sayla. And uh, this is one of my favorite, like, picture progressions of Sela. Like, you know I'm going to bring pictures of my kid, right? So uh, here's the first picture. And these set of pictures are like Sela in a nutshell, okay? First picture, like, hey, I'm kind of loving life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like being alive. You're my daddy. I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I'm trying new things. I got a new paint set that my daddy got me. I love my daddy. And then the second picture is, like, a little suspicious, like, What's happening? You know, like, what are you doing to me? Am I going to be this color for all of time? You know, she's a little suspicious. Like, she tries things out, you know, and she's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I like this. Okay, then the third picture is like, I freaking hate this. 
like, this is her in a nutshell. She loves something, she questions something, and then she ultimately hates something. And it all happens within like five minutes. So that's my daughter. That's Selah. She's really awesome. Took a long time to get her into the world. Praise God. Five years to pray for that little girl. And God, God gave us a gift, really. She's a miracle baby in every sense of the word. And uh, I'll talk about her later. Um, but yeah, my wife and I have been together for 15 years. And one of the things you need to know about marriage is that um, if you want to get married, then you're essentially saying this. I want to enter into a relationship where my spouse tells me what to do all the time. That's what marriage is, okay? Just so, just so you know. So my wife tells me what to do all the time. Now here's a question. How many of you have been asked to do something that you didn't know how to do? Anybody? Like somebody's like, hey, do, why does this happen? I don't understand. So this is what my wife does to me. She asks me to do something that I don't know how to do. And she knows I don't know how to do it. Like I, I like... Like, it's like stuff around the house or things on the cars or, like, fixing things. Like, I'm a, guys, I'm a baby. Like, I'm a pansy. I'm a germaphobe. I don't like getting dirty. I wash my hands a lot. I take, at minimum, two showers a day. Like, I don't like the stuff. I'm just a pansy. But just every time she asks me to do these things, I'm like, I don't know. Even with YouTube, where it's like, step one, you're an idiot if you can't do it. Step two, you know, she keeps it. So she asked me, like, hey, I want you to fix the uh, dishwasher. And this is a couple years back. I can't even say the word without cussing. So, like, fix the dishwasher. I'm like, cool, I got this. You know, I still have pride in, in me still, even though I'm married. Uh, I still have a little bit of pride left. And so I'm like, cool, I can fix the dishwasher. So I get up in the morning. Courtney's gone for work. And um, the dishwasher's leaking a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I got to find the leak. I got to make sure that it's not leaking anymore. I did that. Like, crazy, I did that. It's not leaking anymore. But while I'm down that, thank you. Uh, while I'm down there, I realize, like, the, the hardwoods are squishing. Like, they're squishing. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so I got a light, and I'm like, oh, there's a little moisture down there. So I get a fan, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, let's just air it out, you know. Uh, and then, like, I step over here, and this one goes up. And then I step over here, and this one goes up. I'm like, hmm. So I'm like, I'll just take this, I'll just take this board out. I got a couple of boards uh, in the garage. And so, like, I, I take the board up, you know, because I know what I'm doing, you know. And the second board, there's a little moisture on it there. So I'm like, okay, I'm take that board out too. And then the next board, it was, like, drenched, just like it was soaked. I'm like, all right, just take that board. And then three hours later, this is what my kitchen looked like, uh, right there. And um, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, first of all, you see the saw? What am I doing with a saw? I didn't even know I had it, honestly. And uh, so, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm stressing out. I mean, I'm sweating. So my wife comes home, and she sees this, because I haven't told her. She, she literally calls me on the way back from school. Like, she's a teacher. And she's like, hey, how's it going? How's your day? I'm like, cool. It was cool. Normal day. Got the dishwasher. Found the leak, you know. And she comes home, and she says, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know what I... So that was my first wife, um, the one I showed, and we got divorced after that. Uh, but no, like, I, it's frustrating when you are asked to do something and you don't know how to do it. And I think, hold on, I think that's what happens in our faith sometimes. Like, we hear, hey, you need to get into God's word. Hey, you need a thriving relationship with Jesus if you're going to make it. You need to learn how to worship uh, you need to figure out how to hear God's voice. 
Uh, you you, you got to figure out what the gifts of the Spirit are and go get them in your life. And we get frustrated, we get discouraged, we even get depressed, even to the point of like giving up. And listen, a lot of people do. They don't know how to do this faith thing because no one teaches them and they don't listen. And then they leave because they think it's too hard. I'm not hearing God's voice. I don't understand the Bible. I, I, I think I'm done. And they leave. And it can be really, really hard. And so over these next few weeks, our goal is to give you some practical tools in how to grow your faith. All right? That's what the next few weeks is. How to grow your faith. Because here's the thing, like one of the things that we've been talking about as a leadership team over C12 is we don't want to come and preach a inspirational message that's going to get you emotionally recharged for it to run out in 48 hours and then you just come, come back to get your emotions refilled. Like that's not what this is, okay? We are far less interested in making you feel good. We are way more interested in attaching you to the one who is always good. That's what we're interested in doing. And we attach you to the one who is always good by giving you practical tools in how to talk to him, how to listen to him, how to study him, how to know him, how to be a follower of Jesus. That's what we're, that's what we're interested about. Because that way, you're not dependent on a church or a pastor to grow closer to Jesus. If your spiritual life is dependent on a pastor, a church, another person, or your excuses of why you're not growing is centered on the environment, a certain style, or your preference, don't expect to have a thriving relationship with Jesus. Because you don't own it. You own your relationship with Jesus. Not 12 stone. Not the person sitting next to you. Not your spouse. Not your girlfriend. Not your boyfriend. They don't own your relationship with Jesus. You do. So listen, if you want to be treated like a, an adult, if you want to be treated like someone with some spiritual maturity, then be self-led and self-fed and stop complaining. If you don't prefer something, rise above it and find the good. If you don't agree with something, find out why. Ask the questions and be humble and consistent with your convictions. If you want a thriving relationship with Jesus, then put in the time and put him first above your nightlife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your hobbies. Invest in your relationship with Jesus. Own your faith. That's what this next few weeks are going to be, how to own your faith. And listen, if you're, if you're here, uh, and I recognize this, because uh, I had a, a Monster Energy drink, and I don't ever uh, do energy drinks, and so I'm a little fired up today. Plus, Cam got me all riled up, okay? Um, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, all right? Well, let me talk to you for a second. Just keep coming. Keep asking questions. Keep figuring out what this whole faith thing is about. And my prayer, I'm telling you, my God honest, on my knees, Prayer for you has been over these next few weeks, you take one step further into believing this thing. That's my prayer uh, for you. So hopefully over the next few weeks, and let me just preface this, none of us are experts. So if you're looking to hear like, oh, I wonder what this expert has to say. First of all, I don't look like an expert. I understand. I'll speak for myself. I am not an expert. I struggle with the very things that I'm going to talk about today. I struggle reading the Bible, making time for the Bible, understanding it, interpreting it, putting it into action, preaching it, teaching it, meditating on it, 
All of it. I struggle with all of it. We're in this together. So if you're sitting there thinking like, man, I figure like everyone has this all like Bible thing figured out. Like this person's here is like always talking to me about their quiet time. And this guy over here wakes up at 4 a.m. to read the Bible. This girl over here is always quoting this random passages from the book of Ruth. And I'm just struggling to freaking wake up and brush my freaking teeth. Like it's okay. We are all struggling to wake up to brush our teeth. But definitely brush your teeth. That's gross. Just <laughs> brush your teeth and then read the Bible. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we are going to talk tonight about two things. We're going to talk about four truths of the Bible. And then the second thing is we're going to talk about how to read the Bible. Now, let me preface this with this. I'm going to go quick. But the four truths of the Bible are not ex exhaustive. Exhaustible? Exhaustive. There's more is what I'm trying to say. I don't know words that well. Um, there's more truths than these four. So don't get hung up and like there's, there's others. And I can't possibly tell you all the truths of the Bible in 20 minutes. And the second thing is I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible. Now there are other ways in how you read the Bible. This is just one and I hope it's helpful. Okay. So uh, here's my prayer for you and then we're going to pray. My prayer for you is this. And I think this is super important because I'll be honest. Um, I've been working on this message for a little while, and God has shifted it for me. Um, I think we're going to spend some time on understanding the Bible as truth. Because as I was uh, preparing this sermon and researching, I realized that not all of us believe that God's word is truth. And we need to spend some time there. So here's my, here's my prayer. Number one, increased confidence in the truth of God's word. Let's not skip that. My second prayer, a renewed or established appetite for reading God's word. I hope you leave here wanting to read the Bible. The third is a deepening of your value of actually following it. Those are my three prayers. So God, help us. God, would you help us? Would you help us to know your word, believe your word, and follow your word? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, four truths of the Bible. Here we go. Number one, the Bible is the inspired word of God. The inspired word of God. Here's a quote. Stunning new results from American World War Inventory 2020 produced by the Cultural Research Center, CRC, Arizona Christian. Basically, this is smart stuff, all right? I didn't make this up. Uh, found that the percentage of Americans who believe that the Bible is the inspired, true word of God is down more than 21 percentage points since 2000. It's only at 26%. 26% of Americans believe that the Bible is actually the true and inspired word of God. It has declined over 21% over the last 21 years. That's a huge stat. That's a huge stat. Now let's talk about it. The word inspired. What does that mean? I love this. Because uh, Cam and the Holy Spirit must have been talking. Comes from the Greek word. Let's all try to say this word together. Uh, without reading the bottom line, cheaters. Okay. One, two, three. I think that really sucked. I don't know. I, I can't say it any better, to be honest with you. All right, now let's say it with the, new, with the, with the thingies, uh, the phonetics, right? One, two, three. Theopneustos. Yep, see, I told you we were in this together. Theopneustos. Here's what that literally means. God 
breathed out. If you're not saying wow right now, you should. God breathed out. You see, Matthew wasn't inspired as we know the word to write down what he saw. God inspired, God breathed out to Matthew what Matthew saw and Matthew wrote it down. God breathed into their minds the infallible, inherent word of God so that it can protect his authority. It didn't start with the author, it started with God. God breathed first. Second Peter chapter 1, above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. That's how we know the word inspired. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Everything starts with God. And God did this in multiple different ways, in various different ways. In, in Exodus 34, when Moses is on the mountain and he's talking to him about the Ten Commandments, God literally said, so write this down. That's pretty clear. Like, write these very words down. Jeremiah 1 and Hosea, Hosea 1, the word of the Lord came to the prophets. In Daniel, the word of the Lord came through a vision. God breathed out. So this is not just a history book that people, like, wrote as they experienced things. This is the actual breath of God being written down. It's divinely breathed out by himself. And we see throughout all scripture, every time we see something attached to the breath of God, it's inherently attached to power. God's breath brings power. And God still speaks today. He speaks through prophets. He speaks through visions. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through other people. But the primary way that God breathes out to you is the Bible. That's the primary way that God breathes today. God still speaks. Now a conversation like I get a lot, and it's, it's an interesting one because I have an answer to it, but it's, it's the conversation where it's like they claim that they haven't heard from God in a while. And uh, I've said it before, Maybe you've said it before, but like, man, I haven't heard from God from a while. Like, I haven't heard him speak to me. And um, I haven't heard him, like, convict me on anything. And he's not convicting me of this. He's not convicting me of this. And, and I just haven't heard from the Lord. And I feel so distant from him. And, and my answer is, 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 read the Bible. Like, the Bible is the mouthpiece of God. Do we understand that? It's the mouthpiece of God. Well, what is God really saying? God's saying, I'm already speaking. Listen to my mouth. I wrote it down for you. It's God's breath on a page. You want to hear from God? Read the Bible. Listen, if you're new to this whole faith thing, you don't know Jesus, you're trying to figure out if God is real or not, I got one place for you to go, the Bible. Let God breathe out on you revelation after revelation. You're a new Christian. You're trying to figure out how to found your life in Jesus. Read the Bible. 
Let God literally breathe out on you a life that is pleasing to him and beneficial to you. You're a, a follower of Jesus, a seasoned follower of Jesus, but, but you feel like God hasn't spoken to you lately. You don't have a, a relationship that you're proud of. Listen, read the Bible. Let God literally breathe out on you a renewed sense of fervency towards him. You are as close to Jesus as you want to be. You make the decision to read his word. You make the decision to have God breathe out on you. Man, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't I want that? Number two, the Bible reveals who God is and what God has done. This is amazing. The Bible reveals who God is and what God has done. So, example, when you go to, like, Facebook, okay, uh, do people do Facebook anymore? No, Facebook sucks. Okay, all right. That's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, when people do uh, Instagrams, do people do that? Okay, all right, Instagram. They go to Instagrams, okay? And they go to Instagram, and they go look for someone, right? Someone they're kind of like, ooh, man, this chick's pretty cool. I got to go see what she's into, you know? So you're looking all the... First of all, when you're stalking someone, I, I, I've heard this, um, and I experienced this back in the day, don't be double-tapping from way back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's it when it gets weird. So you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Tickety Talk, you know what I'm saying? And you're looking for these people. Why, why are you going to their profile? You want to know what they're into. You want to know what they like. You want to know their dislikes. You want to know their personalities. You want to know what they hate. You want to know all these things about them. So you're stalking them, you little weirdos at night. You know, you're stalking all these people and you're looking at these people. And I did this. I totally did this. I'm not a weirdo. I'm a kind of a weirdo. So when, 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 when uh, I was in college, Facebook first came out. And, um, you know, I was checking out, you know, Hottie Mae Hodderson over here, and I wanted to kind of know what Facebook was, but I was always like, who's this girl talking to? You know, that was back in the day when, like, people wrote on each other's walls a lot, and I'd be checking out, like, is she talking to this guy? She's talking to this guy? Like, she's not talking to me, you know? So I started, like, figuring out what songs she liked because of what she was posting and all this kind of stuff, and so just randomly, like a genius, I would just kind of sing that song while we were together, you know? And she'd be like, oh, I love this song. Oh, really? You do? Like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Like, because I just wanted to know who she was, right? That's why I did that. I wanted to know who she was. Because I want a relationship with her. Like Facebook, the Bible, the, am I comparing Facebook to the Bible? <laughs> I should be fired. Okay. Um, the Bible tells us who God is. See, I have a relationship with my wife now. 15 years. I know how she talks. I know what she likes, what she doesn't like, how she interacts with people. I know her weaknesses. I know her strengths. I know her struggles. I know her fears. I know her dreams. I have a relationship with her, and it's deep, and it's intimate. Because I know her. And God put everything about him in a book so that you could know him. So that you could be transformed by him. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Number three. The Bible helps, helps us recognize God's voice, truth, 
in a world of lies. See, the more familiar you get with the Bible, the more unfamiliar you get with the lies that the world is telling you. See, you can contrast it with something. You, you hear the world telling you A, B, and C. Well, you can come over here to the Bible, to the truth, and be like, no, 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 D, E, and F. So I don't believe A, B, and C. But if all you have is A, B, and C, well, why wouldn't you believe that? You have nothing to contrast it to. I had a friend. His name's John. Let's call him John. Um, actually, that's his real name, so I kind of messed up. But there's a lot of Johns out there. Uh, I had a friend named John, and he was a UGA graduate from way back. And about a few years ago, uh, he got a call from a police officer. And that police officer was like, hey, uh, there's actually a warrant out for your arrest, something you don't want to hear on a Saturday afternoon, you know. Uh, warrant out for your arrest, and um, you have an unpaid uh, UGA tuition bill for upwards of $2,000, and um, it looks like you have been, uh, you know, um, what's it called when you're not paying it? Delinquent. delinquent. There it is. Delinquent. You've been delinquent. And so in 10 days, uh, uh, if you haven't uh, uh, paid this, then we are going to come and we're going to arrest you. So you can pay right now. And so, you know, John's like freaking out, like, oh my goodness, like I've got two kids, like I got 2000 So he goes ahead and, and, and pays it. Sure enough, next day, bank account wiped clean. Tens of thousands of dollars gone. See, John didn't do his due diligence. John took a lie at face value. He didn't go, no, 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 no. I remember back in 2014, in fact, I have the, the letter from UGA that says, congratulations, your tuition has been paid. No, 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 no. I, I, I got to go to, my, to, to, to Google and, and search this phone number for it will say uh, potential fraud. Like, he didn't do his due diligence to contrast a lie with, with truths. Well, what happened? He believed a lie. And he got screwed. See, this is what the world does. They give you lie after lie after lie after lie. And they're good at it. Sometimes you don't know it's a lie. So what's your responsibility then? Read the Bible. See, it's full of truths to combat the lies. The world gives us lies. There's multiple ways to heaven. Sin is harmless. Santa Claus is real. I got a story on that. I'm going to skip it. Sex outside of marriage is fine. If it feels good, do it. You can define love in many different ways. Money can buy you happiness. If you don't agree with someone, then you don't love them. Oh, your identity and value is directly tied to what you accomplish. See, the world feeds us these lies and lies and lies and lies. And if you don't have a foundation of the Bible, you got nothing but lies. You got nothing. You can't contrast it. And guess what? Guess what happens to John? Someone stole his money. Guess what Satan does? Satan is the father of lies and he steals. He steals your joy. He steals your happiness. He steals everything in you and about you. By lying to you. Read the Bible. Number four, last one. The Bible provides guidance for a full life. This is the other half of the stat. All right? Now, 61% of American millennials, now that's y'all, right? Um, consider themselves to be Christian. 61%. Just 2% of them were found to hold a biblical worldview. Now, here is the stat that I found that changed everything for me for this teaching, okay? 
2% of the 61% claim that they have a biblical worldview. So here's what we're going to do. I'm getting boring already. I can feel it, so everybody stand up, all right? Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Oh, yeah, some of you are like, I hate this guy. Everybody stand up. Okay, now, you lucky ones on this side of Riley, you can sit down. So everybody over here, sit down. Y'all won the jackpot. Riley, sit down. Yeah, okay. All right, now, Riley and uh, this, this row right here, yep, y'all looking at me, stand up. There we go. That's the only way I know how to do 61%, you know, because I got to make it half, and then I got to add a few people. Okay, now here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to sit down except for Justin and Riley, okay? Everybody sit down, okay? Now, Justin, I want you to, like, do this. Like, give me a good squat. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yep, right there. Deep. Yeah. That's 2%. That's how many people of American millennials believe that they have a biblical worldview. Here's what that means. Your worldview, thank you, is, is, is filtered, it's founded on your life decisions. So you make decisions based on your worldview. You believe things based on your worldview. So if you have a cultural worldview, your decisions follow. So if your worldview is that sex is okay outside of marriage, guess what your decision is based out of that worldview? So guess what you do? You have sex. That's what you do because that's your decisions because it's based on your worldview. Two and a half percent of your generation out of the 61% that claim that they are Christian, Christians, have a biblical worldview that's so scary to me. And it's sad. No wonder our world looks like what it does. No one's decisions are based on a worldview that makes any freaking sense. Two and a half percent. The significantly divergent worldview perspectives, especially how different the millennials are from all their predecessors, suggest that a nation is at war with itself to adopt new values, new lifestyles, new identities, listen, new definitions. In other words, there is a war for worldview dominance. Barna. That's from Barna. See, when you have a worldview, it gives you a foundation, a filter in which your decisions are made. It makes your decisions for you. And God, in his kindness and in his love for you, gave you a worldview. He gave you a playbook. God didn't be like, all right, let's create all these peeps and don't give them instructions and see how this all plays out. No, he gives us He gives us a playbook, a playbook in what to do and how to do it, what to do when we don't know what to do, what to do when we face depression, anxiety, identity issues, what to do when we're screwed up, when someone else screws up, what to do when we face trials, when we face temptation, when we face death, deceit, darkness, what to do in order to find our purpose, what to do in relationships and marriage and finance and decision making, what to do when all we want to do is give up. The Bible is our worldview. It makes your decisions for you. 
And, and I get it. Like, there's skeptics out there, and I understand, well, why would I want something controlling me? It's not controlling you. It's benefiting you. Jesus says, I have come. Why? So that you may have full life. Biblical worldview. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. See, God teaches us these things because he loves us. He wants us to have life to the full. He's the one that designed us, that created us. He should know how it operates. But the only way we know how it operates is if we go into his word. For God to breathe out his worldview. My deepest fear for this generation and for the generations to follow is that that number decreases and decreases and decreases and before you know it, the probability of finding someone that's living out an actual biblical worldview is harder than, than finding Bigfoot. Like, you can't find one. That's my fear. And so if you're asking, like, why is this topic relevant today? Because I'm telling you, a biblical worldview and belief in the Bible is going by the wayside because everyone's making up their own freaking world and it has to stop. Read the Bible. Here's a couple things. The Bible was written in a span of 1,500 years, written more than 40 authors from every walk of life, including kings, military leaders, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, tax collectors, poets, musicians, statements, scholars, shepherds, written in different places, three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, it presents a single unfolding story of God's salvation of man because of sin. And the main character is the living God that made known through Jesus Christ throughout the entire Bible. The main theme is redemption, how God chased down his kids, even though his kids chose sin because he loved his kids too much to give them hell. That's the Bible. The Bible has sold billions of copies. No writing in history comes close to comparison. Let me give you a little history lesson because that's a whole nother talk. It's translated in more languages than any document in history. It's translated in more than 2,500 of the 6,500 languages of the world. It's written in the language of 90% of the world's population. Some of the most proved pieces of literature in our world are Plato. Plato has seven manuscripts, with the earliest being 1,300 years after the original. A manuscript is just a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. They didn't have like a, a computer where they could save it on a hard drive. You had to make copies in order to preserve something. They have 1,300 years after the original. They only had seven. Julius Caesar, the Gullic Wars, 10 manuscripts, 10 copies, with the earliest being a thousand after the original. Homer's Iliad, 643 manuscripts, with the gap being only 400 years after the original. That's unheard of. It's the best. 400 years after the original, 643 manuscripts. That's unbelievable. Let's talk about the New Testament. New Testament, 5,600 manuscripts, with the earliest only 40 years after the original. Throw away all the facts, though. Like, I can tell you for days why the Bible is real. Why it's the inspired, inherent, the authority of God written on paper. Throw it away. I hope that when you read the Bible, you cannot be convinced otherwise that it isn't the true and living word of God that is active in your life. I hope that when you read it, you cannot be convinced otherwise.
Woodrow Wilson said, when you have read the Bible, you will know that it is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. There is no other manuscript, no other piece of literature, no other book that can do those things. Why? It's God breathed out. All the evidence that you need is that when you read it, it's like God is speaking to you in person. Gosh, that's my prayer for you. That you would hear him so clearly reading the Bible, like it's God breathing out on you in person. I don't know about you, but I want to believe in something that's true. I want to base all my decisions on something that is true. I want to place my eternity after this earth in something that is true. I believe the Bible. I believe that it's true. I believe it has actual depiction of a man named Jesus who claimed and is to be the living God who died for you and for me a sinless and perfect death so that you could have life. And I believe God loved us so much that he breathed out on people to write it down so that you could have hope, so that you could have purpose, so that you could have life. I believe that. I'll never forget the time that the Bible changed my life so dramatically I was changed forever. I was going through one of the darkest times of my life. And I've had some dark times. And I told you about that little girl, Selah. About five and a half years in, God just was like, you're not getting a kid. Like all those people that struggle with like infertility, you know, some of them say, like, nope, God promised me. I just got to be patient. Like, I felt like God was telling me, no, no, that's not going to happen. And I started believing some lies. I started believing that I wasn't going to be a good father, and so that's why God wasn't giving me a kid. That he believed that I wasn't going to be a good dad because I wasn't a good husband or a good friend. So why would God give me a kid? I believe that my past sin was like a, a foghorn to God, and God was like, oh man, you have these tendencies. How can I ever give you a kid? I believe all sorts of stuff. And I got depressed and angry and sad and depressed, and it was to, the, to that point, right, where I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, give me a freaking break. And then God breathed out. God breathed out Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I've never felt so seen and heard. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. 
I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He breathed out, I am good. I am good. And no matter what life brings you, I am good. That's truth. And it saved me. That's truth. Do you have one? Do you have one? Do you have a truth that saves you? Let God breathe out and save you and give you life and give you purpose. Let God breathe out on you. He'll transform you and he'll save you like he did me. So, I wanted to spend some time there. Uh, but I want to give you something as a tangible tool because uh, I was going to, I was going to like do the opposite. Uh, which is kind of what I said I was going to do at the beginning, but I kind of took a little bit more time. But I hope this is going to help. So here's what I use to read the Bible. It's very simple, and you might have heard of this before. It's not rocket science, but it just gives you a, it gives you a landmark. It gives you some uh, organizational detail to figure out how to read the Bible and how to listen to God's voice. So it's called SOAP. You may have heard this before. The S stands for Scripture. Right? That's the first part. We got to like actually have the Bible in front of us, right, to read it. Uh, we're going to read scripture. The second is observation. And in observation, like we ask a bunch of questions. So we read the scripture and then we're like, well, who's this about? And why is this person here? And where did this person come from? And what emotion is this person probably feeling at this time? Why did Jesus say that? Did Jesus say that uh, uh, before? Did he say it after? Is anything in the Bible or anything in this passage that's in another part of the Bible? Like you ask all of these questions, you write all these questions down, and then you start answering these questions. You get into inductive Bible study where you start go figure out why these things are in the Bible to understand. It. That's what we're going to go next week, how to actually study it. Then the A is application. Now that you have all this knowledge, it's not just good enough that you know it. It needs to change your life so that you need to put it into practice. So how does what I just learned and observed and got the answers to change the way I handle my finances? How does it change the way that I have a relationship with someone? How does it change my obedience? How does it change my life inside and out? Because again, the Bible has the power to change your life. And then P, prayer. See, you can't apply scripture on your own. You're not, you're not powerful enough. You, you can't. Only God can use scripture to change your life. That's why we got to ask him to do it. So prayer, we got to ask God to change your life through the Bible. So here's what I want us to do. I know this is uh, uh, different than what we usually do, but we got to redefine what worship means. Again, and we say it a lot, but worship is not just singing, right? There's so many ways in which you worship. You worship through giving of your tithes and offerings. What you make, the first 10%, that's how you worship. You worship with how you conduct yourself in a relationship. You worship by your obedience to God. You worship through singing. You worship through reading God's word. You worship through prayer. So we're going to have a time of worship, but it's going to look different. 
and I hope that God speaks and breathes out to you tonight. I don't want you to waste this time. So if you have your phone, if you have your Bible, we're going to throw the passage up on the screen. I chose a passage, John chapter 8. This is uh, when Jesus and the woman who was caught in, uh, caught in adultery uh, and the Pharisees are having a conversation on who's going to throw the first stone to stone this woman for being caught in adultery. So I want you to do soap. I want you to read the passage. It's going to be up on the uh, screen. Tribute, tri- tribute, trip, trip, trip. Uh, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Okay. John chapter 8. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, the screen. Oh, I see what you're doing. You were putting that part in blue. You, you dog. Uh, okay. So we're going we're gonna to read the passage. And then we're going to ask some questions. Well, who's in this passage? Uh, Why are they there? Uh, Where are they going? How is this playing out? We're going to figure out one thing that God is speaking to you. I'm not going to do so many things. One thing. A lot of of us get frustrated in reading the Bible because there's so many things. Just ask God to reveal to you one thing about this passage. And then pray for God's strength to apply that one thing in an area of your life. And here's what I found that works for me. Okay? Ask God to reveal a place in your life where you need to apply it. And it's like crazy. He gives you a relationship or he gives you somewhere where you're not following him. Like he gives it to you. Ask him to reveal a place in your life where you need to apply it. We're going to do that for five minutes. This is supposed to be a lot longer. Uh, Okay. Now, not today. Like I didn't screw up that bad, but it's usually uh, a quite considerable amount of time when you're at home. But today I'm going to give you five minutes. So the band's going to come out. We're going to do a little patty pad underneath you taking the scripture and practicing soap. And we're going to worship through God's word. Before we do that, let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Where would we be without it? So God, help us understand it. Help us to interpret it. Help us to love it. God, there's some in here that says, listen, I, I want to do that. I want to I fall in love with the word. Like, I buy what you're saying, but like, I just don't have it in me. I don't have the passion. God, give that person the passion to love God's word more deeply than they do. Help them to value it. Help them to take every decision they're making and filter it through the word of God. And God, would you breathe out new life? Would you breathe out new life, God? In Jesus' name. So worship well. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on scripture using the SOAP method and consider the authority the Bible holds in your life. If you are encouraged and guided by today's message, please share this with somebody that needs to hear this message and consider subscribing and rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to learn more about College of 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.